you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant. Still fully vaccinated, still dodging variants like Neo in the Matrix. And this is it. This is the last day of the fantasy regular season in most leagues. So we will have a little bit of advice to try to help you. If you are on the bubble, if you need something to happen in Monday Night Football to get you into the postseason, we will do our best to try and get you there. We got plenty of other stuff to talk about. Uh, but of course, as always, we are joined by producer Justin and the specialist, a cast of dozens that help us get ready for the show. And uh, joining me here uh, on screen, as always, and I'm, I'm happy to see him after I know that he and uh, thousands of others in Bills Mafia had their heart ripped out by Tom Brady for the 33rd time uh, in Tom Brady's professional football existence. It's Michael F. Florio. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to see you, pal. I am sorry for what happened to your football team yesterday. Uh, how did you spend the evening? Oh, I was... I, I said last week that like that was the most frustrating regular season loss. Th this week has easily topped that. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, when something happens 32 times previously, the 33rd time shouldn't hurt. Like, I should just be used to it. But nope, <laughs> here we are. I'm still getting my heart ripped out by Tom Brady. I mean, I guess it, it has to be worse, though, because at first, you know, they were they were kind of getting blown out early. And then they come back, and, and it looks like they're going to maybe have a chance to take the lead late. They go to overtime, and then it happens. Um, I think it's the how more than the what <laughs> that has to hurt right now. I think so. The fact that they came storming back, that they made the stops on defense when they had to make it. And I know the officials are taking the brunt of it from Bill's Mafia right now, and, and they kind of deserve it. But it's giving Sean McDermott a pass for, like, punting midfield fourth and two in overtime, giving the ball to Tom Brady. Like, we all know how that story ends. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. You would think that after all these years, people would learn. But no, people have not learned yet. Speaking of uh, which, though, Marcus, at, at yeah. that same exact point in time, <laughs> your team had an amazing comeback. They did. And it's funny because, you know, like I have a, a text chain with some friends or all Niners fans. And 
Um, you know, just just watching the Niners try to you know battle in that game. I mean, a lot of my friends were sort of resigned that that somehow Jimmy was going to blow it, right? That it was either going to be a pick six or a strip sack fumble return to the house, uh, or even after Robbie Gold you know missed the field goal at the end of regulation that would have won it. Uh, I got a text that's like incoming Jamar Chase touchdown. Like it just there was such a <laughs> pessimism, and so there was like kind of a quiet relief uh, when the Niners somehow got it done. And so uh, their playoff hopes still very much alive at uh, at seven and six right now. So you guys are uh, playing really good ball right now, and all of your big pieces are healthy and clicking on offense. So and and working it. in weird ways, like Debo Samuel's no longer a receiver. Like he lines up at receiver, <laughs> but they don't throw him the football anymore. Um, so I I don't know. Kyle Shanahan's figuring out how to make it work. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been kind of and it was it really was a tale of two two fan bases <laughs> at the, pretty much the same point in time yesterday. Uh, all right. Uh, we got a lot happening on the show today. We will let you know who might leave some coal in your fantasy stocking as we play Santa or Krampus a little bit later on in the show. We'll have some waiver wire options for the start of the fantasy playoffs. And as I mentioned, we will preview what is a huge Monday night game down in the desert between the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. But first, let's start it off with some fantasy headlines, as we always do. And let's start with the Buffalo Bills, who... Uh, as uh, J- producer Justin mentioned before the show, last Monday they played the Patriots, who decided to do nothing but run the football. Then this week, the Bills go on and take on the Buccaneers and decide, you know what, we're just going to sling the ball all over the lot and not really try to run it. Uh, Bills running backs combined for seven total carries in the ball game. It was the Josh Allen show through and through. So now that we've gotten to this point, Florio, and we've dealt with surprise inactives we've dealt with Matt Breida suddenly popping up out of nowhere late in the season are we just dropping Bill's running backs right now I think so I mean Devin Singletary surprisingly played the second most snaps of any running back this past week at 86 percent only Najee Harris was higher I was shocked to see that but just four carries he did have seven targets but again even with the six catches for 37 yards we're not talking of a huge great like fantasy game I think the only like, like Brita can clearly be dropped. Zach Moss is inactive every week. He can be dropped. Singletary is the one that people have kind of been holding on to, but I don't think he's getting anywhere near enough volume to warrant holding on to at this point. The Bills have some tough matchups. The only thing maybe giving him some uh, some reason to for people not to drop him is Josh Allen's in a walking boot, so just in case he doesn't play next week, I, I guess we would see more running, but even so, I wouldn't feel confident starting them. So if that's the case, then I think you drop him. I mean, you you know how I feel about Devin Singletary. I like him. It just seems like the Bills make it hard for us to to believe in him and trust him. And that's how I felt when it was just a two-man backfield with Singletary and Zach Moss. Now that Matt Breida is somehow in the mix, uh, it just is really frustrating. And then if, if they're going to do what they did on Sunday and just not involve their running backs, it does make it hard to make the case for them. Uh, I... I can't completely quit Devin Singletary because I think he's really talented. I just, you know, I would like for him to score more touchdowns, and it appears that that the Bills don't agree with me. Um, so maybe it is time. Maybe it's just time to let go uh, at this point in the season. Uh, obviously, there are fewer teams that are involved in fantasy at this point once you've hit the playoffs. So uh, I don't know that people will be clamoring for either Bills running backs uh, if you have them out there on the waiver wire. So, yeah, maybe it's just time to, to say goodbye, and we try again in 2022. 
in Baltimore, things looking rough for the Ravens right now. They lose a tight game to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they're still kind of hanging on at the top of the AFC North, but it is a very tenuous position, not helped by the fact that Lamar Jackson was carted off the field on Sunday with what's being called an ankle injury. Now, we don't know at the time of recording this show how severe it is, but look, we saw Tyler Huntley come in who you made some nice plays, kind of got the, the Ravens close in this one, but also, I mean, it's it's sort of Tyler Huntley. You can't expect the same level of production. So if, if, if Lamar Jackson misses time, how do we feel about the rest of this Baltimore offense? Not great. Uh, I think... I think you would have to you would be able to keep starting Mark Andrews because even yesterday he saw a good amount of volume from both quarterbacks and and again tight end. Uh, and then I think Devonta Freeman has low key been uh, pretty productive. I think he would remain like a low end RB two or flex option with a little bit more upside than that. The receivers though, I. I like Marquise Brown has been so up and down. Rashad Bateman I, had his best game of the year with Huntley, and, and all of his production came from Huntley. None was with Lamar Jackson. So maybe he gets a slight boost there. Maybe they have that rapport. But still, I, I think I would be trusting those guys more as like wide receiver threes or flex options. I wouldn't. I would not feel great about those uh, Ravens receivers. But the one thing for for Lamar Jackson, and I think it kind of plays in, we were just talking about the Bills with Josh Allen being in a walking boot. These are two teams that, like, their playoff uh, lives are very much up in the air. So I think that kind of maybe will push them to try to play through with an injury. But again, we're only speculating here. We have six more days before we find out what's <laughs> going to happen with these two. When Lamar came back uh, a few weeks ago, he had a down game. And I think you mentioned this uh, on Fantasy Live, that he was basically trying to play through an illness, and he admitted that you know he was not 100%, and it sort of showed in that one. And you sort of wonder the same thing, uh, because such a big part of Lamar's game is his mobility and his ability to run, get out of the pocket. If he is playing on a bad ankle, how much does that limit that? Throw in the fact that their next opponent is the Packers. And that is not, uh, you know, look, we saw them, uh, you know, they sort of struggled the first half against the Bears, gave up some big plays, but in the second half, they clamped down on that Chicago offense, and that just seems like bad news. So maybe it is just sort of the Mark Andrews, Devontae Freeman show, and there's nobody else that you can really believe in, whether that is Tyler Huntley, a quarterback, or a less than 100% Lamar Jackson. Uh, it is awful timing for the Ravens. It is awful timing for fantasy managers, but uh, it is certain that we will keep an eye on this situation and, and try to figure out how things are uh, as we progress through the rest of the week. Uh, in New York, the one recent bright spot in their uh, offense seems to be gone for the foreseeable future. Elijah Moore has been placed on injured reserve with a quad injury. So uh, it happened earlier in the week. It happened before Sunday's game. So he's going to miss at least three games. That puts him out weeks 14, 15, and 16 for sure. Uh, so right now, Florio, best case scenario is everything gets better and he comes back and he plays week 17. But you know, then again, the Jets are completely out of it. Maybe they don't rush him back. Is he droppable at this point? I think so. Uh, unless you're really desperate at receiver and you have that week 17 game against the Bucks circled as like, I need Elijah Moore back in my lineup. Like, I think you can drop him because what level of confidence are you going to have with him coming off the IR first game back? 
you're you're trusting Zach Wilson in the Jets offense. You're trusting Elijah Moore to stay healthy. And I, I think the Bucks at that point would realize like, hey, this is the one piece we need to really take away from the Jets. So I, I think at this point, really, he is droppable. And I think it doesn't have to be said, but just like any player who goes on IR from here on out is going to miss the entire fantasy playoffs. So if a player lands on the IR now, they are completely droppable and get them off your fantasy roster. The other part of you know the Elijah Moore potential for Week 17 is that uh, as a fantasy manager, you got to make it to Week 17 for it to even be yeah. a possibility. I mean, like, I don't know. I think at this point, I would much rather have that roster spot available to a player that I feel like is going to be, uh, you know have potential to score me fantasy points. And right now, that's just not Elijah Moore. So uh, it's it's kind of a frustrating and disappointing end to his rookie season, especially because he was really starting to blossom the last few weeks. And, and we were starting to get a sense of what he can do. But it appears that, at least for our selfish fantasy purposes, the, that his season is over uh, and we will turn the page for, for him for 2022. Um, and, yeah. Oh, I was going to say what you were saying about that roster spot, like, we're in the playoffs now. You could peek ahead if you stream quarterbacks or defenses or whatever and get one of those on your roster a week in advance or something like that. I would rather use the roster spot for that than hope Elijah Moore returns. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe if you have an IR spot, then then I, I get yeah. the point. But if, if you don't, um, I think you can just say goodbye and, and use that roster spot for somebody who is actually available in the next few weeks. Um, other injury news with a couple of rapid-fire things. Kareem Hunt left the game for the Browns with an ankle injury. The latest update is that it does not look good for him to play this week. The Browns play on Saturday uh, against the Las Vegas Raiders, and at least as of Monday morning, it does not look good for Kareem Hunt to be available for that one. Austin Eckler suffered an ankle injury in the Chargers' big win over the Giants on Sunday. Really sat out most of the fourth quarter. We'll keep an eye on that. You wonder you know, if it were a different situation would he have tried to gut it out don't know uh they've got a game on thursday night against the chiefs that is a huge one uh in the afc west in the afc in general so we'll see if uh, Eckler's going to be available for that taylor heineke suffered a knee injury uh in the loss to dallas Keep an eye uh, on that one as well. And then Terry McLaurin, this is a big, big one for the Washington football team, uh, left that game very early with a concussion. So he will be in the protocol. And uh, certainly for Washington's sake, they hope that he will be available for them uh, coming up this week. All right. That gets us to things we learned for week 14, uh, our takeaways from what we saw on the field. And uh, for you, what did you pull out of this week's action? It pains me to say it, but Saquon Barkley is just like a low upside RB2 at this point. I'm not saying that like you can fully get away from him because of the volume he gets each week, but this was a great matchup for him. He only rushed for just over 60 yards. He really had that late garbage time touchdown save his day. And if you take that away, he's sitting at around... Uh, 11 fantasy points like and that's kind of what he's been ever since he's returned from his ankle injury and I was hopeful that yesterday would have been better because one it was a really good matchup we saw him have nine targets the week before from Mike Lennon and he was saying before the game this is the the healthiest I've been in a long time it, it still looked like the same old Saquon that we've been getting the last couple of weeks so I think because of volume you probably still have to start him and, and the Giants matchups coming up aren't awful but he is not an RB1 anymore, and, and I think that was evident yesterday. Yeah, that yesterday was supposed to be a day where Saquon looked 
somewhat like the old Saquon, uh, and that that hasn't happened. Look, the, the Giants' offense as a whole is a mess right now, uh, but we sort of thought that maybe he was the one guy we could count on, but uh, that didn't happen. For me, it's James Robinson. It's, it's not James Robinson's fault, right? Urban Meyer has tanked James Robinson's value. Uh, who completely knows what's going on in that locker room besides the players and the coaches that are there, but the stories that have been coming out about what's happening in Jacksonville have been just confusing, confounding. It's just been a mess. Uh, But what we do know is that James Robinson is not seeing the field as much. He's definitely not seeing the ball as much. Uh, You know, when I looked and saw that he had four rushing yards, I thought to myself, well, maybe he got hurt and I somehow missed it. No, he still played about 60% of the snaps. They just didn't give him the ball. And this came after a week where Everybody said they cleared the air. Trevor Lawrence made a plea for James Robinson to be more involved. Urban Meyer maybe did or didn't uh, demand that Robinson be on the bench. Uh, Florio, you really thought it was going to be kind of a squeaky wheel game. I agreed with that. I just felt like after everything that happened in the past week, it was going to be an opportunity to really lean on James Robinson in this offense. That didn't happen. And it wasn't even like it was a a terrible game script. I mean, they they ended up losing 20 to nothing, um, but it wasn't like like the Raiders and the Chiefs where it was a blowout early. Uh, At this point, it's it's just hard to trust James Robinson and not because of anything Robinson's doing, just because the coaching staff doesn't seem to have a plan for him. And uh, it is it is super frustrating. And I don't I don't have an answer for what to do about it. Yeah, I know we're going to be talking more about James Robinson. The, the only thing holding on to him is the Jaguars' upcoming schedule because, I mean, the usage has been awful. He hasn't been playing great. I, I, I don't blame him at all. I blame everything going on in this team. And, I mean, not to to keep piling on Urban Meyer, but, like, you, you see the handshake with Mike Vrabel after the game. You hear his one-word answers that he's giving reporters. You see how checked out this guy is, and you're like, yeah, it's no surprise no one on this team is playing well right now. Why would they want to play for this guy? So, I, I, I don't know. It, it's It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And I had high hopes, not just for James Robinson, but for Marvin Jones and Trevor Lawrence and this passing game as well. And it has been brutal. I mean... We dubbed Trevor Lawrence the prospects of a generation, right? The next Andrew Luck. And this guy's barely throwing over 200 yards each week, not throwing multiple touchdowns ever, throwing multiple interceptions all the time. Like, this offense is just completely broken, and clearly this team doesn't want to play for their coach. They are pretty much playing out the string uh, right now, and uh, they have the Texans coming up this week, which on paper – is a winnable game for them. I mean, both those teams have two wins. So in theory, this is a winnable game for Jacksonville, but you just wonder how much interest uh, there is right now, whether or not these guys are just sort of, uh, like you said, they're just checked out and just waiting for the end of the season to come. But uh, it is definitely, I'm sure, super disappointing in Jacksonville. It's definitely frustrating for those of us who believed in these guys in fantasy. Time for a break, but when we come back, we're looking at the top performers from Sunday, including a wide receiver we might consider starting every week the rest of the way. Stay tuned for that on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. 
and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. A look at the top performers from week 14. Well, coming into the week, Josh Allen and Tom Brady were your top two quarterbacks. And uh, leaving the week, they were your top two quarterbacks. Josh Allen, QB1, with just over 35 points. Tom Brady, the QB2, just over 30 points. Taysom Hill comes in as your QB4, uh, just a hair over 26. Dalvin Cook, who needs healthy shoulders, 35.2 fantasy points to be your RB1. Rashad Penny coming out of nowhere, nearly 27 fantasy points to be the RB2. Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, uh, they were 6 and 8 respectively. Gordon with 23.1, Javante with 21.3. Hunter Renfro, your wide receiver, too, with uh, nearly 29 fantasy points. Jamar Chase, uh, after kind of Slumping gives you over 25 to be the wide receiver four, and George Kittle doing George Kittle things. He got you 34.1 points. He was your tight end one for the week. But uh, you saw Hunter Renfro was on that list. Uh, he had over 115 receiving yards, 117, I guess if we're going to be exact about it. Uh, found the end zone. Really playing some good football lately, especially with Darren Waller on the shelf. But uh, you've talked about third and Renfro. I've talked about third and Renfro. Have we reached the point where maybe we are firing up Hunter Renfro in our lineups for the rest of the season? Yeah, 100%. He is a must-start wide receiver moving forward. I mean, early in the year we were talking about how he has a safe floor. But as of late, the ceiling is what we're getting 17 or more fantasy points in five of his last six games. He has nine or more targets in all five of those games with 17 fantasy points. Yesterday was a new high at nearly 29. And what I loved, 14 targets, four of them came in the red zone. So they're starting to look for him there. Uh, the volume he gets each week is just so safe. He, he has a safe floor of double digits. And lately the ceiling is 20 plus. So yeah, start him every week. Yeah, uh, three straight games with over 100 receiving yards, three straight games with 19 or more fantasy points. Uh, you know, look, I, I do think some of that comes down a touch when Darren Waller is back and healthy, but not significantly. He and, and Derek Carr seem to have a pretty good connection. They're finding ways to get him the football. And it's, you know, look, the Raiders went out in the last couple of years, tried to add some wide receiver help. You know, Brian Edwards has never quite blossomed uh, the way people wanted to. Henry Ruggs uh, obviously had his unfortunate, uh, you know, his tragic accident uh, that really has basically ended his football career and, and really has put his life uh, in a very terrible situation, uh, you know, not to, to say nothing of the people who, who died in that accident. Um, but, you know, now uh, you got Hunter Renfro who stepped up and played very well, and I do think he's, he's going to be on the field and, and should be in your lineups uh, for the rest of the season. The schedule the rest of the way – sort of middle of the road. I mean, they've got the, the Browns, the Broncos, and the Colts. Uh, not super great matchups, not super terrible, but the, the volume has been such that uh, you, you just, I don't know how you keep him out of your fantasy lineup at this point. Um, on the other side of that game, Patrick Mahomes had a pretty good day. Uh, the, the Chiefs scored 48 points, so uh, why wouldn't he have a good day? Or 41 Whatever. They scored a whole lot of points. That's the point there. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes had a pretty good day there. He got you just over 20 fantasy points. He's not been the guy that, that you probably spent a you know second or third round pick on, but uh, he did play well yesterday. Is that enough to give you hope that the real Patrick Mahomes is going to show up for the fantasy postseason? 
Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic, and I say that as someone that is more invested in... Uh, my fantasy playoff teams are more invested in the Chiefs than any team in football, so I really need Patrick Mahomes to be Patrick Mahomes, but yesterday alone isn't enough for me to forget about the woes he's been having as of late because the one team he dominates always in the NFL is the Raiders. So yeah, it was good to see him get those two touchdowns, give you 20 fantasy points. I was expecting even more out of him yesterday. I, I mean, but I'll take 20 a game, Patrick Mahomes. Like, that's the point I'm at right now. And I think you got to be even a little bit more worried if you have, like, Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill right now. Because this, while he's playing a little bit better, Mahomes, the Chiefs offense is still far from what they once were. You go back and you look through the game logs for Patrick Mahomes. And since week six, there are only two games where he's given you 20 points. Both of them have come against the Raiders. The problem is the Raiders are no longer on the schedule for Kansas City the rest of the year. They've got the Chargers, as I mentioned, on Thursday night. That is in Los Angeles. Uh, they've got the Steelers. They've got the Bengals. That's the fantasy playoff schedule for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and for a guy who really has just been kind of hovering just below 20 points for a good chunk of the season, it's not encouraging. And it's, it's a situation where maybe you have another option at quarterback, but they don't have the ceiling that Mahomes does it's a really tenuous position that you are in right now if you've got Mahomes uh, and I don't have him I I know if I did though I would probably really I would probably be starting him but I would really be looking hard at it each and every week uh, but there's no simple answer and you also mentioned Travis Kelsey uh, you want to talk about a guy who is just you know just quietly just not doing much He's still the tight end one, but I think a lot of that's because there's really nobody that you know is is in great position to pass him. Maybe Mark Andrews, um, but but Kelsey seems to be a he, he's is a little bit of a cause for concern right now as well. He's he's actually the tight end four in points per game right now. It's just been like Kittle and Gronk have been uh, have missed time. Yeah, Kelsey is not the Kelsey of old right now, and the only thing I'm hanging my hat on, Mark, it's like. I'm still starting him next week. The Chargers and the Chiefs played earlier this year, and it was a it was a score fest, like and and it was a concentrated score fest with all of the pieces that we want to do well in fantasy doing well. I'm hoping for a repeat performance, and uh, that's maybe enough for me to continue to start all my Chiefs this week. But if they struggle on Thursday night and you advance with them, I think then you can you have to think long and hard about getting away from them uh, against the Steelers in Week 16. And, and let me correct myself. Uh, Travis Kelsey is no longer the tight end one overall right now. It is Mark Andrews after Andrews had the big game uh, on Sunday against the Browns and Kelsey just gave you 27 receiving yards against the Raiders. Uh, it has flipped. So Mark Andrews right now sitting atop the, the tight end scoring rankings. Uh, in We're getting Travis Kels. Remember, he said that's how you say his name. Like that's that, right. That's who he is this year. That's right. Bring back Travis Kelsey. I I don't really like this Travis Kels guy uh, nearly as much. <laughs> um, all right, so that gets us to I'm salty. The guys who uh, disappointed us this week. Uh, who was the biggest disappointment for you? For me, Antonio Gibson was a big disappointment. He had started to look like someone that we can rely on to give us like 20 touches a game. And then yesterday, only the 10 carries. And I know you could say, well, they fell behind big early on. I expected him to then be involved in the passing game. He had six targets last week, seven the week before. No J.D. McKissick. Only two targets for Antonio Gibson. He gave you just 4.1 fantasy points. And 
you look at his game log as of late, it's really either over 20 or single digits for the last like seven weeks now. So I think this is kind of who he is at this point, a boomer bust RB2. We can sell ourselves that he's an RB1 on the weeks where he goes over 20, but then you gotta you gotta be ready for that, you know, single digit performance. So that's kind of who Antonio Gibson has become at this point of the season, in my opinion. I'm still surprised that he just has not been more involved in the passing game. Um, that was a thing that, that I think we were believing would happen. I mean, you had Ron Rivera sort of comparing him to Christian McCaffrey in, in terms of what he could be in the offense. Uh, and it turns out J.D. McKissick is the pass catching back there. Uh, for me, uh, we just talked about him. It's Travis Kels, uh, who just gave you 27 receiving yards on Sunday in a game where the Chiefs uh, went berserk and scored a ton of points uh, against the Raiders. I mean, uh, you know, they put up 48 points on Sunday, and somehow Travis Kelsey ends up with just 5.7 points because you had so many other guys getting involved. And But this has kind of become a thing now, though, where Kelsey has had a number of games with fewer than 30 receiving yards, just uh, a quick count, four games this year with under 30 receiving yards. So he has sort of become a boom or bust prospect uh, in a lot of ways he's become just like a regular tight end, which is not why we were spending a first round pick. It's not why I spent the first round pick on him uh, because he wasn't like any other tight end, but uh, you know, Florida, we've seen, you know, with, with Kelsey, with, you know, so many other guys that week to week production is just not there. So I, I go back to what we said a couple weeks ago. I just, I don't expect there will be a first round tight end drafted, maybe not even a second round tight end drafted in any leagues next year. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty gross because, I mean, Kelsey's been such a disappointment. Waller's been such a disappointment. Kittle, I mean, Kittle's been awesome as of late, but he started off slow and missed time. Yeah, I'm thinking like late second, early third might be the first tight end we see off the board next year. Yeah, probably, probably what it's going to be. Um, so we're back to the tight end position being continually gross yet again. <laughs> If you heard it once, you heard it, well, a lot more than once. You should follow us on TikTok, at NFL Fantasy. We're doing stuff over there. Uh, we'll probably be doing stuff through the offseason, too. I should confirm that. But, uh, you know, just follow us, and, and you'll find out for yourself. Uh, you can also follow me at Marcus Grant. I sometimes dance. I sometimes play the ukulele. I wear funny hats. It's a whole thing. Uh, but come follow us. Come check us out. Uh, we're doing a lot of fun things there. All right. Uh, we are getting ready for the fantasy playoffs, in case you haven't heard. And so I pulled out a handful of guys and looked at their schedules. Some of them have tough schedules. Some of them may just be playing well or poorly, whatever. But I wanted to know if these guys would be pl uh, playoff Santa and help bring you the gift of a championship or if they would be fantasy Krampus uh, and leave you salty and sad and uh, alone and cold uh, throughout the fantasy postseason. So uh, let's start with Josh Allen, who, as you mentioned earlier, really played super well. Unfortunately, the Bills lost a heartbreaker. Uh, but you look at his playoff schedule. They uh, have the Panthers. They've got the Patriots in, a, in New England, and then they have the Falcons. Now, on paper, two of those three are tough matchups. Uh, Josh Allen right now, though, seems to be sort of matchup-proof. Uh, playoff Santa or Krampus for you? He, playoff Santa. I mean, he, he is the entire Bills offense. We were talking earlier that they're not running with their running backs because Josh Allen is their running back. He's also their quarterback, and I, I mean – He's matchup proof. He it's it's him and like Kyler Murray as the top two quarterbacks in fantasy, in my opinion. So I, I think you continue to start him. The only concern I have is this this walking boot and maybe if he's gonna be running a little bit less. 
yeah, I, I think he's Santa. And even with the walking boot, uh, we know he can still throw the football. You know, he's got Stephon Diggs. We've seen Gabe Davis get, get involved. Uh, Dawson Knox still doing his thing, even Cole Beasley. So even if he's not giving you those rushing yards or rushing touchdowns, I think he still makes it happen with his arms. So uh, I'm not so worried about the schedule. Maybe that game at New England gives me a little bit of pause just because Bill Belichick always seems to have something for him. Uh, but, you know, the other two of those other three games, uh, I think I think he's going to be fine. That gets us to James Robinson, who I, I lamented earlier in the show. Uh, and the the schedule for James Robinson is pretty great, right? He's got the Texans this week. He's on the road at the Jets next week. Now, the, the final game against the Patriots, that is worrisome. But two of the three are awesome. It's just the situation. Is he Santa or Krampus? Uh, this is the hardest one you're going to ask me all day, Marcus. I, I want to say, like, Santa piss or or <laughs> i don't know crampta I, I don't know because the usage has been awful I, I still believe a lot in his talent i i still love the next two matchups so i i don't think he's an rb1 or anything like that but i think you might be hard pressed to get uh, away from james robinson these next two weeks given that they are the two best matchups for a running back so uh, i think you'd still end up using him as your rb2 or flex if, if nothing else so I, I guess i lean slightly towards santa but i'm i'm a, just worried about urban meyer and the usage there uh, yeah i here's the thing i think i think James Robinson wants to be Santa. I think Urban Meyer is going to be Krampus, and Urban Meyer is going to win out, and so we're all going to be disappointed, and that that stinks um, because the matchups are so good, and James Robinson is a good player, and I don't understand why they don't give him the football. I don't think anybody can figure it out. So I'm leaning more toward the Krampus side, but not, again, like we said earlier, not because of anything James Robinson's doing. It's just that it seems like the people who are uh, running the offense don't want to get him involved, and I don't don't understand. Uh, another running back, Miles Sanders, who you know has had some really good games, has had some head-scratching games, has dealt with a little bit of injury. Uh, pretty good schedule, though. He's got two games against the Washington football team uh, sandwiched around a game against the Giants. So Santa or Krampus here? I'm going to have to go with Krampus. And, and I want Miles Sanders to be a thing, but we've wanted him to be a thing all year, and it just <laughs> it hasn't happened. They they have Jordan Howard, who is going to be healthy now off the bye, who they could use near the goal line. they got Kenny G and Boston Scott, who can be used in the passing game and mixed in on the ground. I mean, Miles Sanders doesn't have a touchdown all year, so I, I, it's just too many running backs. Plus, you always got to worry about Jalen Hurts stealing a lot of the production there. So I, I, I have him as a Krampus because of that. I'm I'm going to try to be optimistic. I'm going to lean Santa, and I think everything you said is certainly valid, and it's all a concern for me. That's part of the reason he's on this list. Uh, but what I do like is that the Eagles have really decided to establish the run more in the last few weeks, and so even with all those guys there, maybe there's a pathway for Miles Sanders to be productive there. But uh, everything you said is is certainly legit, and it's certainly a worry in my mind. Uh, I'm just trying to take the path of positivity here in in Philadelphia for Miles Sanders and, and hope that it that it comes comes around for him. Um, Jamar Chase, who really had been slumping, ended up with a pretty good game against the 49ers, got you over 25 fantasy points, and so maybe he's coming back to our lives. But the schedule not great. He's on the road at Denver, then they're home to the Ravens, then they're home to the Chiefs, and the Chiefs have become a, a pretty good defensive team lately. So what what wins out here? Is it Jamar Ch Chase's talent and volume? Is it the defense? Is he is he Santa or is he Krampus? 
I think he is Santa, and I kept putting it out on Twitter yesterday. Like, this is why you can never bench Jamar Chase. There's not many receivers who possess his type of upside, and I know he had the two touchdowns yesterday. Could have nearly been a third one, uh, and... Yes, I don't love the schedule except for that game against Baltimore, whose secondary is completely uh, like injury plagued right now. But still, like his floor is, you know, it's not the best, but he brings such a high ceiling that I think you just have to start him each week because he can get hot and win you a fantasy championship. And there's not many receivers who could do that. I am going to lean Santa as well, just because the ceiling. Yeah, as you, as you mentioned, I saw your tweets about that's why you don't sit Jamar Chase because the ceiling is there. Um, and so I think I think that kind of keeps him in my lineup. Uh, I'm just nervous that the teams will continue to try to take him away. Uh, the, the Niners kind of lost track of him a couple of times, and he was able to get in the end zone. If that works out in the future, then then we're going to be happy. If teams figure out how to you know, keep an eye on Jamar Chase and keep him locked down, we're, we're going to be disappointed. But again, hoping for the best, uh, and I'm going to go Santa on this one. Um, DK Metcalf. Uh, last few weeks, we have seen a lot more Tyler Lockett. We've seen a lot less DK Metcalf. Even with Russ starting to maybe turn it around a little bit, DK doesn't seem to be benefiting from any of that. And his schedule, two of the three games, not particularly exciting. He's got the Rams, uh, he's got the Bears, and he's got the Lions, which should make you feel okay. Uh, how are we feeling about DK Metcalf right now? Not feeling nearly as optimistic as we were earlier in the season, but I still think DK Metcalf is a Santa. Uh, the Rams, I know they're a tough matchup on paper. DK Metcalf's best fantasy game of the year is against the Rams so far this season. Uh, the Bears don't necessarily scare me, and the Lions are the Lions. He's a lot like Jamar Chase in the sense of like he's getting eight targets a game right now. Eight targets for DK can end up being a huge fantasy day. So I would rather go out with DK Metcalf in my starting lineup hoping for a big day than starting like a safe floor receiver who could get me like eight to ten fantasy points. Because just like Jamar Chase, DK Metcalf has the potential to win you a week and potentially get hot and win you a championship. So I'm still I know it hasn't been great as of late, but I'm still uh, I'm going to be riding with DK Metcalf. I am too. I just I feel like he's gonna be Krampus. Um, but like, if I have him, then I'm just gonna ride with him, and I'm gonna hope for the best. But I am not optimistic, and, I, and I'm looking. And you go back uh, since he scored 22 points against the Jags in Week Eight. Uh, his high since then has been just 11 points. Doesn't have any touchdowns. Uh, hasn't had more than 60 yards in a game. Meanwhile, Tyler Lockett is just continuing to thrive. But like you said, the ceiling is so great that it's hard for me to just pivot away from him. Uh, I just I, I feel like if I have DK Metcalf, though, and I'm in the playoffs, I'm going to watch my fantasy team go down with him having like 47 yards or something like that and just be frustrated about it. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with it, but I'm not I'm not fired up. All right. Then there's Allen Robinson, who just came back. Um, it has been pretty much a lost season for a Rob in Chicago. We're probably seeing the last of him in a Bears uniform, but the the schedule pretty good for him the rest of the way. At home against the Vikings, on the road at Seattle, home against the Giants. Does he turn it around and deliver some gifts, or is he still just crampusing it up? He he's a Krampus. Uh, I I know the matchups are great. I mean, yesterday six targets, two catches, fourteen yards, and. We know Darnell Mooney is going to be involved. We know Cole Komet's going to be involved. They got David Montgomery a bunch of targets yesterday. I just don't trust that he's going to get enough volume. I don't trust that 
he's going to give us enough production. I mean, we've seen, what, one good game this year out of Robinson with Justin Fields. So even in these good matchups, like if you're not starting him against the Vikings next week, drop Allen Robinson because you're never going to start him. That's probably it, too. I, I fully agree. He is, he's going to be fantasy Krampus the rest of the year. Uh, if, if you even have him, if you're even starting him, uh, and you made it this far, congrats. He actually, I'm looking, he's rostered in less than 50% of NFL.com leagues. It has dipped below 50%. Not a thing you would have imagined for a guy that was a consensus, what, third-round pick, I think, in a lot of drafts. Um, that is kind of how it's gone. Sina, who who has been more disappointing, uh, Allen Robinson or Julio Jones? Allen Robinson, because at least Julio Jones we could blame on injury. Um, Allen Robinson, I know he got hurt and missed some games, but even but when he was healthy, he was a huge disappointment. Yeah, yeah, that's probably that's probably fair. All right, hopefully uh, it's happy playoff holidays for uh, all of you out there, and you don't get visited by Krampus. Time for another break, but when we come back, we're talking Rashad Penny and some other waiver wire targets for Week 15. That's coming up on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Just because the fantasy playoffs have started doesn't mean that you can't hit the waiver wire. And as always, Michael LaFlorio puts together his list. So please, sir, uh, take us through who you got. Taysom Hill, the top quarterback ad of the week. I mean, all the guy does is continue to put up QB1 numbers because he's a running back, but that doesn't matter. Tua Tungavailoa gets the Jets. The Jets next week, yeah, he's a great streaming option. And if you're going a little bit deeper, Justin Fields, who played pretty well last night, gets the Vikings on Monday Night Football. Rashad Penny had a great game yesterday. He would be my top running back target. Jeff Wilson Jr. saw big volume with Elijah Mitchell, and the Niners have a good schedule coming up. Philip Lindsay, just because Savon Ahmed and Miles Gaskin are on the COVID list, and they get the Jets next week. And then the Lions running backs, just in case uh, Swift and Williams cannot suit up Craig Reynolds and Godwin. Igwe Bukwe uh, were split in the work there yesterday. And then some receivers... Amon Ross St. Brown, Marcus, I know you love this one. The guy got 12 targets again yesterday. <laughs> love to see the volume there. Rashad Bateman, just when I think I'm out, he pulls me back in. He played really well with Huntley. Robbie Anderson and, and Donovan Peoples-Jones put up some good numbers yesterday. Those are deeper league targets at receiver. And then at tight end, Austin Hooper, I know you were all about him, Marcus. He had uh, been getting consistent volume, had a good game yesterday. Ricky Seals-Jones, I know he disappointed, but he gets the Eagles next week. And then again in week 17, the Eagles are awful against tight ends. And then Gerald Everett, who is a a red zone specialist, it's looking like, for Seattle. So if you're going a little bit deeper at tight end, you're hoping for a touchdown. I think he is a, a good candidate of scoring one. One thing we know about Seattle tight ends is that Russell Wilson does like looking for them in the red zone down near the end zone. The rest of the field, you know, he seems to have tight end blindness, but uh, in the end zone, <laughs> he seems to find him. Uh, Rashad Penny on that list, and coming into the week, Pete Carroll said that uh, he did have big plans for Rashad Penny. I didn't think it would be, you know, top five running back, <laughs> fantasy running back type plans for Rashad Penny, but here they are. Uh, rest of the season, and we talked about this with DK Metcalf, at the Rams, home against the Bears, home against the Lions. Is he startable for the fantasy playoffs? 
I think next week is the one week you might be a little hesitant on because the Rams are a tough defense, but the Bears struggle against the run and the Lions you can run all over. So yeah, I think maybe next week you depends on your options. Maybe you get away from him. But after that, I think if he is still healthy and looking like he's looking, definitely startable. I mean, 137 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Yes, it was against the Texans, but those numbers are eye-popping. You have to take note. And I think just, you know, it's the fact that the volume is there for him. I mean, uh, no matter what Russ does or, or how well or poorly the passing game is going, Pete Carroll wants to run the football, and it looks like Rashad Penny for the foreseeable future is the guy. So uh, at a time when there's so many running backs hurt uh, or just missing or just not getting the football, looking at you, Jacksonville, um, Rashad Penny is as viable an option uh, as anybody out there right now. Uh, Taysom Hill also on your list. You mentioned he just keeps putting up quarterback one numbers because he's mostly a running back that occasionally throws the football. Um, But he's playing pretty well. Dak Prescott is kind of struggling a little bit, at least fantasy-wise. Would you rather have Taysom or Dak for the fantasy playoffs? I never thought I would say this, but I'm slightly (laughs) leaning towards Taysom Hill. It it is close because of the upside that Dak possesses, but – Taysom Hill has now made six starts in his NFL career as his starting quarterback, and he's averaging almost 22 fantasy points per game in those with at least 17 and a half in each of them, over 20 in four of those six games. And this year in particular, 73 rushing yards and then 101 last week, like over 20 fantasy points in each. I know it's not always going to look pretty, but he is going to run a lot. He is going to get the ball near the goal line and run there. And like next week against the Bucs, yeah, maybe they, they're trailing. I don't think that means he's, Taysom Hill is going to stop running. I think it'll just mean more design runs where he drops back like he's going to pass and then ends up running like we've been seeing him do the last two weeks. I, I know what he's been doing, and it's – it's not pretty to watch, and it's you know I, I still don't think he's a great NFL quarterback, but he's a good fantasy quarterback. All that being said, I'm still leaning toward Dak. I still want the ceiling for Dak Prescott. Uh, I like what they have the next two of the next three weeks. They've got the Giants, they've got Washington. Uh, you know, week 17 is the Cardinals, which might be a different situation, but I just want the upside of Dak Prescott. And maybe this is me just sort of grudgingly not wanting to pivot to Taysom Hill because I think the whole thing is just sort of weird and and. Sean Payton's trying to force a square peg into a round hole. Uh, so may- maybe maybe I end up having egg on my face at the end of this, but I think I still just want the upside that you get uh, from from having Dak Prescott in your lineup. So, uh, All right, so if we're going to go with a top waiver wire target, you somehow have your top priority, you miraculously still have some fab dollars in your pocket, uh, where are you using them? My top waiver wire target would be Rashad Penny for all the reasons we just discussed. But I will say if, if you've been streaming quarterbacks or whatever, like whatever you need to do to make your starting lineup as strong as possible should be your top pickup. So if you need a quarterback more than a running back, go get Taysom Hill or Tua. So worry about your starting lineup and then worry about depth secondary. I think that's, that's probably a, a smart point. I would say that I would also you know, keep a really strong eye on Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, just because we keep saying it. The 49ers running game is, is a big deal. We'll, we'll see what happens with Elijah Mitchell if he's able to come back next week. Obviously missed Sunday's game against the, the Bengals, but Jeff Wilson is still going to be a part of it. Uh, and some good matchups. I mean, they've got the, the Falcons coming up next week. They've got the Texans in Week 17. So the schedule is certainly very, very favorable. 
Uh, and we, we talked about needing uh, running back depth. It's always important this time of year. So uh, Jeff Wilson, a name uh, that should be very heavily added, I think, this week uh, off the waiver wire. By the way, for more waiver wire stuff, you can check out Florio's weekly column. It's still going up, still running every single week at NFL.com slash waiver wire. Want to update you on uh, something that came down just as uh, we were recording in the middle of recording this show. We talked about Josh Allen being in a walking boot. Well, the update uh, per our own Ian Rappaport is that it is a mild case of turf toe. Uh, it's easy to call it mild when it's not your toe, um, but that is somewhat encouraging. So hopefully uh, things won't be too bad for Josh Allen and he'll be ready to go uh, for week 15. All right. Uh, we are gonna... closing out week 14, though. This is going to be the last game of the fantasy regular season in a lot of fantasy leagues. So uh, there are going to be a lot of teams on the bubble, and there are a lot of fantasy-relevant players going between the Rams and the Cardinals down in the desert. Let's look at the wide receiver position uh, for the Rams. OBJ or Van Jefferson, who you got? Van Jefferson, uh, I know you've been driving the hype train, Marcus, but I'm fully on board with you now. I mean, we were worried about Van Jefferson when Odell came over, then Robert Woods got hurt. And to me, it kind of looks like Van Jefferson is the new Robert Woods, where he's going to get that safe production each week, the safe targets. And Odell is the one where he's going to be involved, but they're going to take some shots with him. So I just think uh, Van Jefferson is a little bit safer right now. I, I trust his his ability to be on the field, I trust the the targets he's been getting and uh, the connection him and Stafford have developed. I've been waving the flag for him all year. No reason for me to stop now. I, I think some of it is just more familiarity with the offense. I mean, he's been there for a couple of years. Uh, he has a better sense of what it is that Sean McVay is looking for. I'm sure he's sort of learned some of the other things uh, that can be done in this offense. And so I think that kind of gives him uh, a greater level of trust. So, yeah, uh, I think OBJ has uh, a potentially good ceiling, but I like Jefferson's consistency, and that's the guy that I would take between the two. Uh, no Daryl Henderson this week. He was placed on the COVID-19 list, so he will not play tonight against the Cardinals, which means uh, another big Sony Michelle game potentially incoming, at least uh, a lot of opportunity coming for Sony Michelle. Uh, if you had to put a fantasy number on it for him tonight, what would that be? I'm thinking around 17 fantasy points because it's not the best matchup, but I still trust the Rams offense. And last week, Sony Michelle played really well, and what came out after was – the Rams kind of talking about changing their offense up to get Sony Michelle more involved, going with more of a heavy set, getting more tight ends out there on the field. And if that's the case, then and they were saying that before Daryl Henderson was ruled out. So clearly Sony Michelle is a part of this offense. And if that's the case, I expect him to run a good amount tonight. So I, I think he could have a very solid fantasy day. I'm going to put him around 15, not terribly far off from, from where you've got him there. Uh, I, I could see him getting about 60 yards and a touchdown, catch a couple of passes, not much in the passing game for him. But, you know, it won't be an awful night at all for, for Sonny Michelle. I do think going forward, though, and, you know, I know someone asked Sean McVay about what Michelle's role could be with Henderson there, and he, he sort of talked about the Cowboys and what they're doing with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard um, in, in terms of just having both guys on the field. Uh, getting both guys involved in the offense. So uh, if you are able to survive and you've got Sony Michelle, uh, I think there's still potential for him to be viable uh, going even into uh, the fantasy playoffs this year. Last one, Chase Edmonds is a game-time decision. He's been on injured reserve, could play uh, in tonight's game. If that happens, is James Conner still startable? Yes. I, I think uh, 
even if we get Chase Edmonds back, I think Connor has played well enough where he's not going to lose the full scope of his role. I think Chase Edmonds will be the pass catching back that we see on third down. I think we'll see him in the two minute drill, maybe sprinkled in on early downs. But I think James Connor has stolen the job as the Cardinals early down runner. And he is 100 percent the running back that they use in the red zone and near the goal line and always has a safe, uh, a safe chance of scoring a touchdown, if not two. So I, I would continue to start James Connor with or without Chase Edmonds. That touchdown upside, man, even when Edmonds was there early in the season, it was the touchdown upside that made Connor viable. And then with no Edmonds, uh, you just saw his numbers explode. And I think even with Chase Edmonds back, um, I still think he keeps at least some work in the passing game because he showed he could do it. Uh, I would also say just kind of as a side note, I think not having to be a true workhorse for a good part of the season has sort of helped keep Connor fresh and healthy. I mean, the knock on him had always just been – uh, not able to stay healthy, but this year he's done that, and he's been really, really productive, and he's a big part of the reason that uh, Arizona is 10-2 and two right now coming into this game. Uh, on the field, uh, do you have a prediction? Do you, at least you pick a winner for this one? I'm thinking the Rams get this one. I know the Cardinals beat them earlier. I think these are two really tough teams. I, th I think they split, so I'm, I'm going to say the Rams pull this one off. I'm going to say the Cardinals get the sweep. Uh, a win tonight locks them into a playoff spot and uh, gets them that much closer to the NFC West title. Makes things tough on the Rams. Uh, I think I think they get a big win at home, and the folks in the desert can go crazy for at least a little bit there. So, uh, But it should be fun. should be a good one to watch. And uh, for all of you out there who've already made the fantasy playoffs, congratulations. For those of you out there who need some good things to happen tonight, we are pulling for you. We hope for the best, uh, unless you're playing me. But, uh, you know. <laughs> Best of luck to you, and uh, hopefully we will see you continuing going forward because we're still doing a podcast, so you should just keep showing up, even if you're not in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Ho hopefully you're inter we're entertaining enough that you uh, just keep showing up and hanging out with us. But uh, in the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, how do they get the deer to cross at those yellow road signs? Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we will see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.